looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, dear ones, it is so good to be back in this pulpit again. I remembered for about a year and a half, I was given the opportunity to share the Word of God with you and to build deeper relationships with one another. But it's always good to be back again. I want to thank Pastor Nathan for allowing me this privilege to be able to share God's Word while he's not here today. Those of you that are watching online or maybe listening later on, I'm here at beautiful Circle Community Church. It's got a wonderful testimony in the community here in Orlando. It's been a great privilege to be a part of this church when I'm in town as well. And so it's a great opportunity for that. So I want to welcome those that are online with those that are here live and in person. And so maybe just let's all give everybody a big welcome clap. Shall we do that? It's not usins and themsins. It's we're all together in the family of God. Well, I am glad to be able to be here today, and if you'd like, you can open up your worship folder, and it will be an outline. If you don't have one of those outlines, don't worry about it. We're going to have it up on the screen for you. You can also download it if you want to. That was provided for you throughout the week so that you can have it. You know, when you only have one shot to speak and you don't know when you're going to speak again, I got thinking, what would be the best thing that I could leave you if something happened and I couldn't share share something with you before? And I want you to know that this message has really percolated in my heart for a long time. You know, this is a very, very tough year for many people. I think of it for families, even our own family. We couldn't have family come in at this time of the year because of the virus. You know how that would be. And many of you have experienced the same thing. Your family is disrupted. Others of you are struggling with your finances. You know, maybe your business is challenged right now. Your job is challenged. Your sales is challenged. And so you're wondering, what's going on with my finances? So you're hurting a little bit there. And of course, who could ever deny fitness? You know, you've got some folks that had virus. We've had some in here that had COVID and had to kind of quarantine for a couple of weeks. And you know people, and I really, sorry to say that some of you might have had family or friends who have perished because of the virus and the other things that have gone on with it. I just wish that I could put my hopefully sanctified but certainly sanitized arms around you to let you know that I care for you, but someone cares for you a whole lot more, and that's the Lord. And I pray that today's message will help us just take a a little bit of our mind off of those hurts that we've had over this last year and the uncertainty of the future that might give us something to look forward so that we could have the rest of our life be the best of our life. And I hope this message would do that. So I got thinking a little bit about this time of the year, people make resolutions. Now, whether you do it at the new year time or you make a resolution because you're launching a new business or you have a new family coming together or you're going to a new area and you're starting over, you get a do-over and you want to say, I'd like to do some things differently, you might be making some of those resolutions. Recently, I read a survey that came out of Lifeway, which is a big Baptist group, and they really do a pretty scientific survey. And they said that people are making resolutions this year. And if you'd like to know, the top four resolutions that people are making might be ones that you yourself have made or maybe are making this year. They said that uh, 57% of those that took the survey were going to take care of their health a little bit. Who wouldn't like to be a few pounds lighter and hopefully, you know, a few pounds stronger, but I'll tell you, the health is a big issue, but that was at the top of the list. Number two was they wanted to strengthen their relationship with God, 52%. So I got thinking, isn't that interesting? They're more concerned with their health for now rather than their relationship for God for now and in the future. Under that was 43% said they want to look at their schedule and really plot out more prioritized life 
and to maybe work at their schedule so that they can get more you know, time into it and get more things done. Maybe some goals in there. The last was the issue of relationship with their family. In other words, they'd rather have more time to do what they wanted to do, and family was a little bit further down on the list. So a lot of resolutions are being made. Maybe you're like the one wag that I heard, and he said, you know, I made a New Year's resolution this year, and my New Year's resolution is I'm not going to make any New Year's resolutions. You know, say, you know what, I can't break it if I don't make it, so I'm not going to make one. Well, this message this morning is really not about New Year's resolutions or starting over with a new resolution because a lot of those deal with kind of surfacey stuff we want to change. This year I'm going to paint the house. This year I'm going to do something with my uh, vacation or something. All that might be good because we're kind of plotting what our future will look like. But I would like to leave you with convictions that are not resolutions. Convictions are those things that are very, very important to God. I'm reminded of a story that I read recently about a lady who was walking her golden retriever in a cemetery. And she stopped at a bench and she began to kind of brush off all the leaves. And in front of that bench was a little monument, like a tombstone. And on that tombstone, it said, Jim, you have been a source of encouragement to all in the world. And I got thinking, you know, if this guy really was that, that they put on that monument, he didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to encourage someone today. I think that deep in his chest beat a heart that was really committed to adding value to other people. So somewhere in that, he then developed a conviction for his life. Well, I got thinking about what kind of convictions could we make? Now, I'm suggesting to you from God's Word that there are four you might seriously consider. I could have given 14. I could have given 40. There's probably 400 of them because a conviction is really never changing. If you'll follow along, I'd like to give you a working definition of what a conviction is. A conviction is is an unchangeable belief about what you are fully persuaded to live by. A conviction is an unchangeable belief about what you are fully persuaded to live by. So your conviction may not be, I'm going to eat mushroom pizza. But your conviction could be, I'm going to eat, but in such a way that will take care of my body so that I can use it to glorify the Lord. So a conviction is different than just a New Year's resolution. Go back to that working definition that I've given to you. I'd like you to get your pen out because I want to emphasize some thoughts in this. Notice it says unchangeable belief. So this is one that you don't change based on your age. You don't change based on your financial status. It's something that is unchangeable, and it's something that you really believe. Later on, we're going to talk about developing a belief system that is found on God's Word. So your belief is going to go in the direction of God's Word. So if God's Word is unchangeable, then our conviction should be unchangeable. Then it says about what you are fully persuaded. Underline the word you there. I know sometimes you'd like to have a family member, especially those who are closer to you that are kind of getting off the so-called reservation. You'd like to give them a conviction and then make them live by that conviction because you know it'll be better for them. Most of that of what I just said is true, but the first part of it is not. We can't make someone else have another conviction, but we can own a conviction for ourselves. So underline the word you about what you are fully persuaded. So in other words, your convictions need to be prepared and prepared and well thought out according to God's word. So we're fully persuaded. Now, the last part of it, you want to really mark this because it says to live by. You know, if you have a conviction, but you don't live by it, it's no longer a conviction. It's nothing more than just wishful thinking. So if you really want to have a conviction, you want to have one that you will live by it. 
It means it doesn't matter what the economy is going to do. I'm going to live by that. It doesn't matter what my health is going to do. I am going to do what I can by God's grace and power to live by that conviction that I have. So that's why when I suggest four to you, these will be grounded in God's word. And I don't have enough time to give you the voluminous amount of passages of scripture that will support each one of them. But there's enough there for you to sink your teeth in. So as if you went to a wonderful steak restaurant and they put the steak in front of you, you're not going to talk about double coupons at the grocery store. You're going to dig right into that steak. Well, the Lord has brought to us a stake of information today. So let's kind of dig right into this. What would be some good convictions that we ought to have in our life? Well, I would like to suggest one to you that I think is the beginning. If you're going to begin anywhere, it ought to be, number one, I will base all my beliefs and lifestyle. Notice how that goes together. My beliefs and my lifestyle on God's inerrant word. Now, I'm speaking to a church that is strong in this emphasis. I'm perhaps speaking to a lot of folks that are listening now that kind of know it, that this is what I should be doing, that everything that I believe about life and God and how I should live my life should be based upon God's word. I know we know that. My question is, though, do you run the decisions of your life through the grid of Scripture, how you spend your money, where you're going to go, who you're going to date or marry, what church you might even attend? All the decisions that could have a high impact upon your life and how it might end up. So again, we want to base all of our beliefs and lifestyle on God's inerrant word. Now, for some of you that think that I'm just kind of grabbing this out of nowhere, I'd like you to know that the Bible that we have, all 66 books in this one big book right here, it is loaded with the biographies of men and women and young people, for those that are young, like Daniel and his buddies. They all had convictions, and notice how their life lived out. Now, I know that many of them died because of their convictions. All you have to do is read Hebrews chapter 11, and a lot of people call that the hall of faith. I would like to call it the courtyard of convictions. Yes, they had faith, but that faith was married to a conviction that they had, that they lived by it, and may I, may I add this? They died by it too. And so what conviction have you owned in your heart that no matter the cost, you're willing to die by that conviction? Now, some of you might be thinking that I'm going to put a lot of legalism on you and definitely, that would never be my intention at all. I want you to know that these convictions are biblical, so it's not under the law. The Word of God is filled with grace. The good news is, is that God also provides for us the Holy Spirit. Because if He gives us a principle by which we are to live, and we choose to do that, He knows that those principles are beyond our ability to do it. Therefore, He says, I will put my Spirit in you when you trust Christ, and now you have the ability to perform what you're supposed to do. So now you have something to help you get through this, and you do it from the inside out, not because you got a list from some speaker on a Sunday morning, but it's really found in God's Word. Let's look at the Bible passage that we have here, because I want to share some thoughts about this passage, particularly some phrases and words that really will help us understand this point. If you'll look, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. This was written by Paul, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is written to a group of Christians in the city of Thessalonica many years ago that Paul worked with that church for about three and a half year, three and a half weeks. But by extension, it's as if he's writing to us today who's listening to my voice. So let's look at it. It says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. So in other words, he's saying, this is the reason that I have you in my heart, and I'm going to be praying for you that this is important. So good pastors would be praying for their people that they would have this in their heart. It says, 
Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, so there is a preacher who decided not to give a homily, not to give some pithy statements, not three points in a poem, but he decided to give the word of God and the people heard it from them, but they chose to receive it. It goes on to say, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God. My prayer for you today is not so much to listen to my voice as much as it is to kind of hear the voice of God speak to you and that you too will receive it as the word of God in faith. We'll go a little bit further in this. It says the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So take your pen, if you will, and circle the words effectively works. That's neat. The book isn't just an inspired book like some great books from great writers and the classics that are out there. This is really God's mind, God's heart, and God's voice on paper to us. And if it's God's mind, God's heart, and God's voice on paper, that means that it's supernatural. So when the Word of God comes inside of us and we abide in it and it abides within us, then what happens is it will effectively do something. It effectively works. And here's the joy of it all. What does it work? It works within us to help us to become like the Bible. And when we become like the Bible, the principles that are in there, we become God-like because you have the written word and you have the living word. And all that begins to change us because the word of God effectively works. But listen carefully now. It does not work just in anybody, anywhere, like some actor who can quote some scripture. It only works into a select group of people. Are you a part of that group? Let's go back to the verse. It says, effectively works in you who believe. Now, we're not talking about believe like some kind of a brand on a department store that says, I believe. It has to have an object. Well, in the context of this passage, the object isn't believing in yourself. If I believe whatever I can conceive, I can achieve, that's not what it's saying. In the context, it's talking about God and his word. So if I believe in that, in them, in those, then that word of God will begin to work in my heart. So let me pause for just a moment. I know most of you And I've heard your testimony. And so from hearing most of your testimonies, I've heard that you've had a time in your life when you realized that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior. And you knew that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior and that you trusted him as the one who'd forgive you of all your sins so you can have eternal life with him and eternal life with him, a relationship. You've done that. But maybe some of you that are listening today or maybe even watching on the Internet, you haven't done that yet. I don't know how many people are out there who can't see you, but I want you to know that if you want the Word of God to work in your life, to bring about the peace and the joy and the strength and the wisdom, all that you need to have as it pertains to godliness, it comes the moment you you believe, you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And it's so simple. God loves you no matter what kind of person you were. He loves the world blanketed just the way you are. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose again. And he's willing to say to you, it's not by your good deeds that get you to heaven. It is by your faith in Jesus Christ. It's not how much faith you have in Christ. It is, though, that you have it in Christ, the right object. And anybody can do that anywhere at any time. But I believe the Lord, and I know I do, we would want you to trust Christ as your Savior right now. Because that unlocks a supernatural thing that I can't fully explain. And that's the ability now to begin to understand the Word and for the Word of God to effectively work in you and me. And don't be afraid of that. God's not going to turn you into a monster. You're not going to flip into an angel. 
But then you're going to have the rest of your life be the best of your life. I have a phrase that I put in the notes for you. If you'll just look at it, it's all in one sentence. Those of you, it's not on the screen, so I just want you to listen to it right now. I'm going to read it to you. Listen very carefully. It goes like this. By relying on the Holy Spirit to help me, number one, understand. Number two, apply God's word to my life. Over time, I will grow spiritually. That is a very powerful biblical sentence. Now, that is not holy writ, but it agrees with holy writ. And it goes like this. By relying on the Holy Spirit. That tells me I need to be humble, I need to be dependent, and I need to have the right object upon whom I should depend. So if I depend on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to grow spiritually. Go on. He will help me now to understand. Well, believe what? Understand what? Would be the Bible. Those of you that are Christians for a long time, you do have a capacity within you to understand the Word. You're a Christian. You have a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the inerrant Word of God. You have gifted people called teachers that God spiritually gave that gift to to help you understand the Word. And you also have enough discipline to dig into the Word like a miner would and bring out those jewels for your own life. But it goes on to say, not just understand it, but it says this, and to apply God's Word to your life. If all you do is just know the Word, you'll be nothing more than perhaps a walking notebook, but you're not going to be the life of Christ. And so I would encourage you now not just to be one who merely knows the Word, gets spiritually fat, and doesn't apply it to your life. But it goes on to say, over time, mark that in that note. It doesn't happen immediately. Becoming a growing and maturing Christian takes time. All of you have children. And when they're born, they're little babies, okay? They're not fully grown. They don't pop out fully grown, okay? They kind of go through a maturation process, just like they do physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually. When you trust Christ as Savior, you kind of pop out with the new birth, but you're not spiritually grown right then. But over time, you can be. And the greatest source for your spiritual growth is the food upon which you eat and feast. And that's going to be God's Word. I put here a little formula. You're going to see it up on the screen. And I'd like to make some comments about it because some of you are saying, okay, I get it. My conviction is that I really want to have all my beliefs and my lifestyle be based upon God's inerrant Word of God. But now, where do I begin? Now, listen carefully. Most of you know to do this. So today, this part of the message may be more of a reminder. That's not bad, because that's what Paul and Peter did. I put you in remembrance. So today, it's just really to remind you, and I'm not spanking you. On the other hand, it might be a good time for us to go back to this simple little formula, simple little kind of put-together thing that'll help you to really understand the Word of God so you can apply it to your life. So let's follow along. They're just one word each, but notice the order. Number one would be, we need to hear the Word. That's very, very important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, you can hear that through good Bible teaching and preaching, and there's a lot of different places that you can do that just audibly if you'd like to do that. The best way is to find an app that you can put on your phone that the Bible is read to you while you're in traffic or where you have some time that you can't do something else, but you can listen to it. The important thing is put yourself underneath the sound of good Bible teaching and preaching. The second word is the word read. So we want to hear it, but a lot of people, they'll read it. I get that. Well, let's go a little bit further. When we want to read the word here, we have to remember that Revelation says, blessed is the person who reads and heeds. I like that. Who reads and heeds God's word, and specifically that sometimes difficult book to understand, the book of Revelation. So I want you to know that it's hearing is good, but also I'd like to say that 
reading is even better. But that's not enough. I can hear and read, but I need to study is the third word. I need to study the book. You know that already. The difference between having devotions and studying is that you take notes when you study. And that means that you're actually drawing from what you're studying, what you're reading, what it's saying, and you're making notes about it, comparing Scripture with Scripture and doing the things in good Bible study methods. The next word is the word memorize. I like what Proverbs 7, 3 says about memorizing. It says, write the word on the tablet of your heart. It's like your heart now becomes an iPad. It's like your heart now becomes a great tablet. And you now take God's word, it's inside of you, and you're writing on it. That would be like memorizing Scripture. And by the way, that one little verse, Proverbs 7, 1, 2, 3, there's a whole lot of verses that talk about hiding thy word in your heart so you won't sin against him. So that's the memorization part of it. The fifth one is the word meditate. Now, I know that you know pretty much what meditation is. Now, we're not talking about transcendental meditation, but we are talking about focusing our attention on God's word and what it says accurately, keyword, to me, to you. All right. So you're meditating on it. Now, some of you say, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. I don't even think I like to meditate. Uh, that's, that's, that's so, you know, woo, woo, woo out there, meditation. Well, let me share this with you. You and I, we meditate practically every single day, don't we? We meditate every day. You say, no, no, I don't work. Yeah, you do. You know, when you meditate, every time you worry about something, you're meditating. What are you doing? You're thinking about something that is kind of like, I don't know if this is going to happen. What if? What? How, how about me? What, I know the future. It's all uncertain. I know. That worrying right there is a form of meditation. So what the scripture says is don't meditate on those things that are ne- negative. You're going to meditate on God's word, which will unleash the joy and the peace and the faith so that you can rest in the Lord, knowing that he's large and in charge while being near and dear in your life. So you want to meditate on God's word. I'm going to stop there for a moment on those five, because what I'd like to do to help you remember this is I'd like you to either draw a hand on your paper somewhere, a hand, not a stick finger hand, but a hand, so that when you see your hand, you'll remember these five areas, okay? So look at it. The little finger is going to represent, I'm going to hear the Word of God, put myself under consistent, accurate Bible teaching and preaching. Number two, I'm going to read the Word of God, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, but I'm going to be reading God's Word, and I hope we do that every day. Number three, we're going to study God's Word, more than just opening up a simple devotional booklet, unless we let that devotional booklet stir us into taking special notes that will speak to our life so we really know God's Word more deeply. The fourth one, of course, the next finger, maybe it's the index finger, will be the word memorized. Now, for us, we probably only memorized in some kind of a children's ministry that would give us points or awards if we memorize Scripture. Not necessarily bad, but it kind of stops and starts there. But for Christians that are the post-toasty Christians, a little bit better maybe than others, they're going to choose then that what I want to do is I want to choose myself. I need to memorize the book. I'm going to find verses that speak to me, and I'm going to start memorizing Far be it for me to tell you exactly what verses you should or how many verses you should or how many days of the week that you should, but it is for me to say meditation is something that we all need to do. So we need to meditate in the Word here. So memorize and then finally come into meditation. So you have the five fingers. Hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate. But you said, well, wait a minute, Stan, there's a sixth blank there. The sixth blank is the word apply. You know, we could do all of this and we become very heady as a Christian. But if we want to have the rest of our life be the best of our life, we want to do then the sixth one, which is the word apply. 
And you might say, well, Stan, I, I'm pretty normal. I don't have six fingers. I, I have five fingers. What do I do with that? Very simple. In the center of it, I have the palm of my hand right here, and that's where the word apply would be. I use that word apply because if I had to stick something down on a piece of paper and I wanted to make sure it was glued tightly to it, I would kind of force my hand. I would apply pressure to it. So when I think of that palm now, I'm going to think in terms of applying God's word. Now remember, listen very carefully, Jesus said in Luke, it's blessed is the man who hears my word and does my word. James says the same thing. Blessed is the person who don't just listen to the word, but also does the word. So when we leave here from church, it's more like not just how much I know, how much I just worship. It's also I show my knowledge and my worship to the Lord by how I'm going to live my life based on the biblical convictions that I should have. So I want to have you look at that because that's so very, very important to us. Let me show you Psalm 1, 1 through 3, because I want to talk a little bit more about meditation, because I think if I really begin to meditate, a lot of these other things begin to take care of itself. Notice what it says here in the New Living Translation. I, I like that translation only for this passage, at least. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.